friends and welcome to the midweek edition of the Kings of Anglia podcast. We come to you on a Wednesday. It's going to be hopefully be a happier show than the last couple because town have stopped the bleeding. They won last night. It wasn't the most impressive victory of all time, but they won. That's the main thing. They beat Gillingham 1-0 and we're about to break that down. I have to introduce first, of course, my two esteemed colleagues, the first of which is one of my regular right-hand men and ever-present on this show, Andy Michael Hutchins, Alfred Hutchcock, Hutch Hogan, Warren, how are you? You forgot Adolf Hutchler. I uh, I pulled it out for special occasions. Okay, this is not this is not special enough. Let's ditch that. I'm I'm all right, thank you. We should just say um, while you listen to Hutchie, we're still having some technical issues. Hutchie's um, home Wi-Fi has been problematic, so again he's had to trek into the office. Uh, but even so, just chat, chatting beforehand before we start recording, there were still some issues. So if we do start to cut out. Uh, I can only apologise and do stick with us and we'll get it right in the end. Um, his company and my company today, and for once I can say that I'm not the most experienced or mature member of the pod team, shall we say. It's the man we like to call the big porker, Mike Bacon. Mike, how are you? Well, that's a wonderful introduction. Thank you very uh, thank you very much, Mike. I'm very well, thank you. Very well. <laughs> it's amazing to have you on, Mike. Obviously, you uh, you stepped in for Stewie last night and went to the game. Good on you. Um, you watched the game, and we're going to talk about that. First of all, actually, we have to start with some breaking news. At least it was breaking um, just before we started to record this. Uh, and then there's obviously technical issues. It was breaking at the time. Now it's kind of broken. But Paul Lambert, who was absent last night, unexpectedly due to having a coronavirus test, has tested negative. That is where that story ends. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Paul Lambert does not have coronavirus. First team coach Matt Gill does. He's isolating, and I imagine he'll miss probably the Crew game and almost certainly Sunderland next Tuesday as well. But as yeah, as things stand, Paul Lambert's hoping to be in the dugout for the visit of Crew on Saturday. Although it has been stressed to us that they will continue to monitor Paul, um, and he may well be tested again potentially prior prior to that game. But, yeah, um, good news. The, ma- the manager doesn't have COVID. That is good news. Obviously, um, before we found out he wasn't, wasn't going to be at the game last night, we knew that he was going to be banned. He was fined a grand and banned for one game from the touchline by the FA for his, his red card at Lincoln on Saturday. Uh, and you were saying, Hutchie, that, that that actually counts as his ban last night, even though he wasn't there because of a, a coronavirus test. Yeah, yeah. So, um it, rather than watching from the stand, he watched on iFollow with uh, with with the fans from his house. I imagine he probably shares the uh, the frustration with iFollow that many supporters have voiced. Although I gather it was a, a bit better last night, so I don't know whether they've intentionally uh, upped their game because they knew the manager was going to be having to use it to basically run run the team from home. Um, but yeah, that's the band. That's the band served. He, he served it in his house. On house arrest. House arrest. Out of the way. I wonder if he had to pay. Yeah, it's £10 going to the EFL, then back to Ipswich. (laughs) (laughs) Now then, boys, obviously town last night, they needed a win. They needed a result. They got that in the end. It was was looking like it was drifting towards a nil-nil draw. Mike Bacon, this was your first experience of covering town in this strange new world, these unprecedented times that we're living in. Can we start with you? What did you make, first of all, of the experience of covering a game uh, behind closed doors? And secondly, what were your kind of observations, your opening thoughts on on Town's performance? 
Um, well, well, look, um, it was it was rather interesting for me, but I've sort of I felt like I've sort of been there before with this behind closed doors type thing because um, back in the day I covered um, FA Vars finals um, involving Suffolk clubs at Premier well, what were Premiership grounds like Tottenham and West Ham um, and Bur- well, Birmingham weren't um, Premiership then, um, and uh, and of course a lot, a lot of these places only had crowds. T- uh, these finals only had attendance of about two or three thousand, uh, so. It was it wasn't dissimilar to covering a sort of a non-league final in a Premier League ground of through three thousand people in, but it was a bit strange. I must be honest. My temperature was thirty-six point naught, which I believe is okay. Um, I didn't really know what it was supposed to be. I mean, when they sort of showed it to me as I walked in, I didn't know what to freak out or not. Really, I didn't know what to say. I hadn't checked what I'm supposed to be. Um, yeah, it was it was a bit eerie, isn't it? And but it is is it, you know, football is nothing without the fans. There's absolutely no doubt about it. It's um, but it's it's still interesting, and and it's it's, it's as I say, so for someone who watches quite a lot of non-league, you know, the agricultural language that you uh, pick up from, you know, high up in the, even in the press box is, is wonderful. Um, but I'm again, I'm used to hearing that from from a non-league ground. So, um, but uh, yeah, so it was it was a bit different, of course it was, and the quicker they get the fans back, the better. Um, but Ipswich Town, I thought Ipswich did pretty decent, to be honest. I was. I was relatively impressed. I haven't seen them obviously this season, like many people, apart from Telly once. And um, you know, so uh, yeah, I mean, I, I thought they played quite well. I thought they certainly served the win. I don't quite know where Steve Evans um, was coming from with some of his quotes, but that's all for another day. But um, I thought Ipswich were quite punchy. I thought they knocked the ball around nicely. They they lack a little bit in the last third of them. You, they, they, you know, Ollie Hawkins I thought did well, but they they desperately need another striker. I mean, they've had a bit of pace up front there. Kate Jackson's the obvious. Mm. The obvious man to, to think he would make a terrific difference right now. But but Dezel, I was particularly impressed with Dezel. Last time I saw Dezel, he was a bit ponderous. He wasn't sort of moving as much as he, I thought he ought to be. But last night, he wanted the ball all over the park, and it was great to see. Um, I was talking to Andy, who was obviously sitting alongside me. Social distance, of course. Of course. Me. Of course he was. Um, so I shouted across to Andy from about 30 feet away, you know. Huh. Um, no, we were talking, saying that Andre's playing a bit of a different position this season, and uh, and um, that seems to be t- he's ticking things over. Um, mm. I-, I thought it was t- town thoroughly deserved. It was great to see Bishop scoring again. Um, again, it was a bit of an in joke that is the eighty sixth minute. We don't he hasn't finished actually ever finished many games. Teddy Bishop it was probably one of his latest ever goals, so uh, um, he's ever scored for Town. But it was great. Um, I-, I thought Town thoroughly deserved. It. I don't quite know where. As I said, Steve Evans was coming from really when he, he felt the best team lost. I didn't Dan, quite see that myself. Don't um, you worry, we come we come on to that in due course, Mike. Let's yeah. not give it away too early. But oh, Hutchie, sorry. That's, that's all right. Hutchie, so um as your esteemed colleague there says, town deserved the win. They played quite well. Would you would you agree with that? Yeah, I think so in the end. I, I find it really interesting um attending games with Mike because <laughs> because Stuart Stu and I and so many others are, are watching every kick of this team and, and judging it against the last and and things like that. It's really interesting to hear the perspective of somebody that, that knows their football, has seen a lot of football in their time, but hasn't maybe got the, the Ipswich Town baggage on their back from from how the season's gone so far and things like that. And uh, and talking to Mike, maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe I came away feeling a little bit more negative about the performance than maybe I should have done. Um, because yeah, we we've come to expect them to to move the ball well and move the ball quickly, which they did. They did it quicker than they did at Lincoln. But I think maybe that kind of the the low bar has raised to a level where that's kind of become the minimum expectation. And then you're almost looking at 
uh, other ways of, of of finding criticism. But the, I I think they did. They were they were better in the Lincoln game. They moved the ball quicker. They started from a higher base, and I think the two young centre backs in there um, came in, and they they both did okay. But what they certainly did do was was give Ipswich a quicker use of the ball from the back and got that into Dizelle quicker, which in turn gave him more space and time to work. And then that in turn gave gave people like Teddy Bishop more time to do to do his business, particularly in the second half. And they did deserve it. They got the they got the job done just. Um but I certainly feared that that game was was drifting towards a, a nil-nil before a really good goal actually, which I've I've watched back several times this morning. Really good little clever header from from Guion Edwards, a really nice little popped pass from Stephen Ward, and then the finish with Teddy Teddy Bishop from his left foot, which is 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 not his stronger foot. He's he's found the corner perfectly. So hmm. all in all, a really good goal. Um, the job was done, even though it, at times it, it wasn't the most convincing. I didn't think. Yeah, I mean, it was a cracking goal, wasn't it? Teddy Bishop clearly a player that's probably too good for League One and, and doing stuff like that. It's the luxury of having players like that. In the in the town team at this level, Hutchie, let's let's stick with you. I want to talk a little bit more about the the change in central defence partnership. We said on Monday they were expecting probably Toto Insiala to drop out, and he duly did. He dropped to the bench, but James Wilson was dropped completely, which seemed a bit out of the blue. What, what what's your take on that? I think he'll be feeling extremely hard hard done by. Um, I think I think it's a completely separate separate issue between how well the young players did and, and whether Wilson deserved to be dropped. Because personally, I don't think he did. I think he he's his standards slipped a little bit, particularly at, at Doncaster. I thought he played pretty well at Lincoln, actually. Um, so for the change to come in at the back for the, the straight swap for the two of them surprised me, maybe. Um, but if I was James Wilson, I wouldn't be particularly happy. About that. That being said, the two youngsters that came in clearly have some different qualities mm. in terms of um, in terms of their ability on the ball. Which look, we're not talking about players here that are suddenly Andre Dezel levels of of comfort on the ball. They they are an upgrade on on Wilson and Enciala, but they're not. You know, we're not talking about creative midfielders here. Mm. But there were. There were some moments I thought where there was a little bit of naivety from the two of them, particularly from McGuinness, who had a two, a two or three little moments where you began. It reminded you that this was his professional debut, essentially. Um, but all in all, I think they did okay. But if I was James Wilson, I wouldn't be, wouldn't be particularly impressed with that. Mm. Mike, you went and spoke to young lad McGuinness after the game. Um, what, what was your impression of him, and, and how do you think he played? Bearing in mind this is really his kind of his debut. In senior football, I know he's played for the Arsenal on the 23s against Town in the in the uh, the Elf Trophy, but this was definitely kind of a step up from that. And um, what did you make of him, and how was he after the game? Well, you're right. I mean, it was his senior debut as such. I mean, and he he mentioned to me about the fact that really under 23s has been all he's known, and uh, as much as under 23s is what it is, this was a step up. Um, he was he he's, he's only 19. I didn't realise he was he's only 19. Um, but he was a yeah, he's a very very nice lad, very mature mm. lad. He was very excited with um with with what had happened. Obviously, he looked forward to his debut for Ipswich. I think he did okay. I, I I think he did okay. Again, I don't have a lot to judge him against because I haven't seen a lot of Ipswich's games this season. But I thought he was. I mean, Julian were a very physical side. I mean, he was up against a couple of you know some big some some big battles up 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 alongside um the Gillingham front men. So 
I mean, he had to hold his own up there. And again, it's, you're a teenager, you know, um, you know, it's, it's a physically quite demanding. But I, I thought he looked quite calm. And he came up for a couple of corners and got his head to him a couple of times as well, which was mm. interesting. I, I, you know, Ipswich had a lot of corners. We were talking again with, with Andy and myself. We're talking, you know, about 30 foot apart again uh, yesterday. Um, but we were saying, you know, the amount of corners were just coming to nothing. Um, but a couple of times he he was one of the few people who actually got seemed to get close to getting on the end of something. He was absolutely. Yeah. I think the word is a buzzing is the in phrase with footballers when they've, yeah. they've had a good they've had a good time. Um, yeah. So he was quote buzzing and um, but no, he said, look, he, I mean, he was very, he, you know, he's clearly an intelligent, nice lad, um, and he's obviously rightly very very happy with what had happened that last night. You know, why not? I mean, as he said to me, he, he said he said to me, I like a physical battle, battle, I like a header, I like a tackle, um, sort of oh, wonderful sort of stuff. You know, from the mm-hmm. from the old days. You know, but he's technically decent he's a good player clearly um yeah i think he'll um i think he'll enjoy his time and he, and he was he was he, he was quite impressed with the philosophy that you know that if you if you play well you'll you, you retain your place um so he's had to be patient but he said i like to think i've sort of taken my chance and um I, yeah. I suppose he probably has to be fair he's a bit of a unit as well isn't he mike is he, is he a big lad in person yeah, he's quite a big. Lad. And then again, he was. Then again, I, when you when you interview them after the game, now as Andy will tell you, you're standing like eight foot below them, and they're sort of ten foot above. <laughs> so they, he looks, you know, they're on the pitch and you're on the concourse. So sort of they look, they do look rather. You're you are staring up at them, but yeah, he's, he's a big lad. But I mean, he's you know he was he's, he, he was chuffed as he said. You know, my mum and dad are hopefully watching on iFollow if they could get a connection. And mm. um, and he'd already had some texts from 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 some mates at Arsenal and stuff. So it was a really good night for him, as he said. You know, a full debut win. And a clean sheet. He said mm. it, it doesn't get much more perfect than that. So good for him. And uh, he came over as a really nice guy. I want to ask you, uh, Mike, the, the, the Kings of Anglia Army, the listeners might not know, uh, but we certainly do, that you were a football coach in a, in a previous life. Coach of the year for Suffolk, I believe, 2009. You barely mention it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, obviously, town this season have very much got a, a set approach to playing, which is to play out from the back. And a lot of, a lot of listeners before us said that's why McGuinness and Wolfenden should be the centre-back pairing because they're more comfortable with the ball at their feet. What, what was your observations of, of, of town style of play last night and, and did they look comfortable doing that? Yeah, I thought they did. I think you're right. I mean, Wolfenden particularly impresses me. I, you, you know, he, looked, he looks particularly comfortable, I always think. He, you know, you, can put, you, you pass into him and he'll, he'll happily take a touch and he'll, he'll turn. You know, he's, he looks particularly comfortable. I, I mean, Ipswich played through Dizel quite a lot. Yeah, he, was the, he was the go-to man every time from the centre-halves. Um, and Dizel obviously can, you know, can just pass for, you know, for fun. I mean, he's he's a he's, a tr- he's possibly t- too far ahead of his time, perhaps for League One. If, if I'm being mm. perfectly honest, at times, I mean, he whips in passes to people. I think there's one pass he whipped into Hawkins that didn't quite stick with Hawkins in the penalty area. But I think I think I, you know, if it had been Aguero, Aguero would have turned and thumped it in the back of the net in the space of two seconds. But um, that's no slight on Hawkins. It's just that Giselle just fizz passes in. So yeah, they play it from the back a bit. I mean, sometimes just go long as well. I, I like to see them mix it up a bit. I don't. I'm not really a great fan of all this. You know, you've got to play it out from the back because you've got to play it out from the back. It mm. doesn't, that doesn't seem logical to me. And quite, cl- I mean, we, we're seeing so many mistakes at so many levels of the game from well, basically cock ups from from you know goalkeepers at the Champions League level. You know, Premiership. You know, so. Play to your strengths. I think Ipswich played it quite nicely. I think they balanced it a bit. They went long. Holly didn't mess about too much, but played it into the played it into the centre halves. Who both looked very comfortable into Dazel and through that. I just want to see at the second half that Bishop did it a lot more. They started running at Bishop. Started running at defenders. I like to see that. 
Mm. It's a, you have to be a bit brave to do that because you know you're going to get clattered on the third one. You might beat the first and the second, but you know someone eventually going to clatter. You're not going to just run through the whole team. But you will pick up free kicks. You will pick up opportunities. Dobra is another one obviously came on and he'll run at people. I, th- mm. I feel that's where Ipswich need to really up the game. Yes, by all means, get Dazelle on the ball. But play into if you're going to play into Bishops and Dobras if he comes on, um, and even Emmy Hughes had a few. Run at, you've got to run at defenders. Yeah, at times you might lose. But I think taking that brave... If, again, if you watch levels higher, if you watch the Premier Premier League a lot more. Players run at people and get free kicks, even if they don't, you know, if they don't get through. Um, but you've got to be brave to do that because you know you're going to get clattered. Um, mm. But Hawkins was—I thought Hawkins was a good target man. He did his best. You know, he, he holds the ball up quite nicely. But you know, yeah, I thought, I thought there was lots. There's a lot. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't out of this world performance. But it was. You know, there could have been times a few years ago they would never got. They never got that win in the last five minutes. They'd have ended up with a draw. So. Mm. Hmm. Hutchie, Mike alluded to it earlier. Um, no goals from strikers still, uh, however many games we're, we are into the season. Um, when does that start to become more of a concern? Um, without going overboard about it, I'm, con- I'm concerned about it. Um, at some, it's thir- 13 games they've played now, in, in, I think it is in all competitions. And someone pointed out to me this morning that Freddie Sears did score a goal, having been switched to a central striker position in in the Accrington game, I think, which which is right. Um, mm. But other than that, you're not getting goals from strikers. At some point, it is going to need to happen. Um, you can't rely, or seemingly you can rely on Teddy Bishop to keep scoring. Um, <laughs> he, if, if he plucks winners like that out late on in, in games, it's going to be no problem. But every team needs their striker to be to be scoring goals. Some of the stuff that Hawkins does is admirable. He, he works hard. There's never going to be a question about his work rate. I don't think he's just not, not one of those players that, that will give anything less than a hundred percent. Some neat touches that, that brings others into play. And I think he's doing a very good job of occupying center, center halves, which is an important thing for him to do. If they're going to make some space for like Mike said there about, um, players getting on mid, the ball in midfield and driving forward with it at their feet. That The only way they can have space to be able to do that is if Hawkins is is occupying those centre-halves um, and, and not allowing them to crowd out the Ipswich midfield. So he's doing important work there, but he doesn't. He didn't look like scoring a goal in this game. Um, hmm. And that's been the case in a number of games. I just wish he'd scored that header at Lincoln at the weekend because that was an absolute monster of a header. Um, um, deserve to go in but it needs to happen it does need to happen at some point they're winning they've won this game um, thanks to a late goal from from a midfielder but at, at some point we're going to need to see these Ipswich strikers I say Ipswich strikers he's the only one that's been fit for, for quite some time But and, and that's going to have played a part but at some point they're going to need that central striker to score and contribute um. Mm. Obviously, I want to talk about the um, the Steve Evans comment post game. But have you got any more kind of notes from the game itself? You want to you want to share with the listeners before we move on to what Mister Evans has said, Mike? Any other kind of things that impressed you or caught your eye last night? Um, well, I mean, yeah, I was, as I said, it, there just seemed a little bit more urgency from from you know from the things I've been reading and a few games, a couple of games I've seen, um, and I was pleased about that. It is. <laughs> It's not all in the garden rosy just because they've beaten Gillingham one nil with four minutes to go. But you know, there's there, there's some good footballers in that squad. 
there's some good footballers in that squad. Whether that's going to be strong enough, to, they've got to get out of this League One. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. Get out of League One. You get, you know, they've got to get out of this league. They can how they get out, I don't really care. But they've just got to get out of it. Uh, they've almost got players that are. I know it sounds ridiculous to say too good for League One, but they do have two or three, four players mm. who probably are. And yeah, and that, and that sounds absurd because you. Could, but League One is a battle. There's no doubt about it. I mean, it, League One is a battle. So I was quite pleased to see them win that battle last night. Dazelle got booked for a crunching tackle. Or not tackle foul. Um, you know, Bishop was 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 getting stuck in a bit more. These younger, well, not younger, but these what you call more like flighty type players have, have, have got to start getting more physical. And I, I see them starting to do that a little bit more, which I was quite pleased to see. You know, don't get bullied out of a game. So I was quite pleased they didn't get bullied out of the game and end up nil-nil draw. And, and they did actually get the win. So if you like, the cream did come to the top. Um, mm. But they've got to keep showing those battling skills. This is my biggest fear, um, you know, going forward, you know, and way matches at, some of these games, you know, Sunderland coming up, they're going to, have to battle for everything as well as use their their technical skills. But I, yeah, I, I thought I thought there was some there was some there was some there was more positives than negatives to come out of last night's game. Super, Pachi. Anything else to mention before we move on to Mister Evans? Uh, just that, just, obviously, they needed to win this game they, to settle some people down as but as much as anything. Um, it's completely understandable that after the, the two defeats, you suddenly start thinking about, oh, we've been here before. That's just the way Ipswich's program these days. It's it's the history, the recent history, and that that is what has happened. Um, my in my feeling is they they needed to win this game. Crew will be the same at the weekend. There's not they're going to go into that with expectation, and then comes a a big game at Sunderland. And I think I think this Ipswich team and Paul Lambert's Ipswich are only really going to be able to to settle settle people's nerves and truly banish last season. If if they go and win games like that, the games away at Sunderland, which they just didn't ever look like winning last season. I think it was one win against teams in in the top. I can't even remember what the stat was. I was trotting it out in everything that I wrote over the summer and I've completely forgotten it. But it was, they, I think Fleetwood were the only team that they beat from the top eight or something like, like that. And they, they, have to, they have to go and they have to go and win games like that against the teams that you fully expect to be to be seriously challenging for for, for promotion. So uh, we'll get on to crew in a bit, but it's going to be a similar t- discussion to before this this game with Gillingham, that it's a game they just need to win. Mm-hmm. Right then, Steve Evans uh, can't come to Twitch's Town without saying something. Before the EFL Trophy game, he said that uh, he didn't care about the trophy the game at all. Uh, this time he said the pressure was all on town because it would be a disaster if they don't get promoted which obviously is true. Uh, and then post-game, he's gone completely off the wall. Um, very, very salty indeed. Actually, what, what kind of accent? I know he's, he's a Scotsman. Is it a, is it a heavy accent that, that Evans has got? It's a throaty, <laughs> a kind of a throaty kind of Glasgow-y accent. I was going to try and read these quotes in his accent, but I'm not sure I'll, I'll pull it up. See you, Jimmy! Yes. Uh, yes. No. No. Yes. You're not, no. You're not quite. That's not quite no. it. No. <laughs> okay. I'll I'll just stick to my normal accent unless you can you can offer one up. But um, so Evans after the game, obviously Town have just uh, won one nil, dominated possession from the stats that I've seen. He says privately they knew they had a battering. We will listen to the, boy, the Lambert boy saying they were brilliant again. He said it on Saturday, but I know a lot of Ipswich fans. I watched it as well. They were very poor. They weren't so good tonight either. I'll tell you what, he would have been having a beer afterwards. He might not say it, but he will know. The best team lost by some distance 
Second half, it was one-way traffic. They were playing on counter-attacks and they got a bit of help with some of the decisions. I'm not questioning the integrity of the referee, but it was a poor performance from him. It's as bad as it gets. First half was a disciplined performance. We had a good organisation, good shape. One thing they've got is a huge budget, huge budget. And for that, they get good players. They made one good chance that the boy, Jack Lancaster, should probably score. Um, And he goes on to say, second half, one team played all the football and made all the chances. One team deserved to win. One team got all of the decisions. But we just have to go again. Mike, you started talking about it earlier. What's what's your reaction to uh, to those rather salty comments from Mr. Evans? <laughs> well, yeah, I think. Well, I wish I worked um, for the Gillingham Gazette, where it's called. So, I mean, you're you're, you're you're sort of um, you're Kent Messenger, isn't it? I mean, you're, you're, it's, just, yeah. it's just it's just gold, isn't it? It's absolute. It's pure gold. I mean, that's what you want, isn't it, from from your manager? If you know, lose four on the bounce and, and make out everyone was a complete. It was everyone else's fault. I mean, um, I mean. He, I mean, to be fair to him, he's not totally ingrained. Because the second half was far more even than, than the first. The first half was it was was mostly Ipswich, and and the second half was far more even. And yes, Gillingham did have their chances, but Ipswich had Ipswich hit the bar and had some chances as well. They hit a post. I mean, there was no one was ever suggesting there was a huge amount in it. No one's, and I don't think uh, uh, Andy or myself in this in this podcast have suggested Town absolutely thrashed the pants off Gillingham and they weren't in the game. Um, but his comments are completely absurd. I mean, you know, to think, to think that he was going to sit down also think, oh, we took a total battering there was ridiculous. Um, Ipswich, Ipswich were the better side. The possession stats, I mean, no possession doesn't. I think we had about 13 corners of their three or something stupid. Um, I mean, there was chances at both ends, OK? There was chances at both ends. But in the general play of the game, Ipswich were the better side. There's no, it's not even... Well, it's, mm. not even worth, it's not even worth questioning. I mean, anyone with any half bit of football knowledge will say the Ipswich are the better side. I think Jordan Graham did well, by the way, for Gillingham on the right-hand side in the second half, particularly got a few crosses. But they were just pumping crosses in and, and hoping, really. Um, I think, yeah, they, they had a couple, yeah, they obviously hit the post and, and had a chance that Chambers blocked very, very well. So, yes, they had their chance, but to, to, to come out with that sort of rhetoric was... Is, <laughs> Well, to say it's just gold. It's gold dust for us, really. Isn't it? I mean, as well. I mean, we love it. I mean, look, the web hits go through the roof. I mean, please, more of it. I think we should play Gillingham every week. I think he's going to come out with stuff like that because it's just no. I mean, it's you know, Ipswich were the better side. Similar as that, and they and they got the three points. It feels it feels like we do play Gillingham here every week. <laughs> That's the one thing. The one thing I won't miss if if Ipswich can get out of League One, it's just to get away from Gillingham. That's the fifth. <laughs> That's the fifth time they've played each other since um, since the Ipswich were relegated. And there's still one more to come. Um, I've had enough of Gillingham. Um, <laughs> how I, I can, however, what I've really had enough from Gillingham is Steve Evans' assistant um, manager, who is his, his kind of attack dog. It's like an attack an attack dog that also has his own attack dog, and and. Um, yeah, I've I've had enough of them. Saying that, I could listen to Steve Evans talk absolute nonsense all day. Absolutely, all, all day long. Yeah. Um, my my biggest takeaway from from his is that he's saying he knows a lot of Ipswich fans. So, <laughs> uh, the, is that what he said at the beginning of those yeah. quotes, Mark? Yeah, I know, yeah, yeah. So, if if any of our listeners know Steve Evans personally or are one of these lots of lots of Ipswich fans that he knows, then um, then get in touch. I'd be interested to know how you know uh, how he knows so many. Why is he? Why is he such an angry man, Hutchie? He just seems to be a very, very angry man. 
he the thing is he doesn't say these things with any kind of there's no kind of hint of anger yeah. in, in his voice when he says them he's he says it all as kind of very much statements of fact just just i think he just has a, a very interesting view on the world um <laughs> he's got he's got an opinion um and he's Clearly. not scared and he's not scared to uh, to voice that opinion and he he just seems to be against everything uh, that isn't kind of his own uh, opinion in, in his own sphere or opinion. So, uh, yeah, Steve Evans, what was it Mick McCarthy said about him? Um, he can talk, can't he? He certainly <laughs> gives his jaw some exercise. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what else, but his jaw certainly gets some exercise. There you go. Lovely to have Mick join us there. That was that was a, a blast from yes. the past. Fantastic. Um, yeah. Evans, interesting, interesting man. Uh, referring to Lambert as the boy Lambert. Oh, I, that's I, brilliant. I, I thought it was particularly interesting. I wonder, obviously, Lambert wasn't there last night. I wonder if he'd been quite so flippant if Lambert was in the building, so to speak. Um, he probably would, because didn't, I think Steve claims to be from the, the tougher end of Glasgow, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, so, they had a, a big thing last season about who was the proper Glasgow man, didn't they? Yeah, um, of which, so I don't think, if, if Steve's true to his word there, he wouldn't. Be, wouldn't have been scared of saying that in Lambert's manner. I can't, I can't, I can't picture Steve Evans being a bit of a shrinking violet in front of anyone. To be perfect. Yeah. <laughs> right then, boys. Town are back on the winning track. They've stopped the bleeding. We'll come on to crew later on. There's plenty of other stuff I want to talk about. But first of all, I think we should have some light relief. I want to do a Mark's big question because I'm fascinated to get Mike involved with this. So oh, no. cue, cue the intro, please. Now then, Mike, um, obviously, I assume you listen to the Kings of Anglia podcast every week, so you probably know what this is anyway. Yeah. But um, every so often, I like to throw out a question that we can all talk about. Um, and I have a, a list of numbered questions on my phone, which I'm going to give you the honour of choosing today. So I need a number between 1 and 28, please. I think I'll go for number 18, Marcus. 18. Marcus there for a no, no, I quite like it. No. Um, right then. Question 18 is... Avocado is really overrated. Give me three more really overrated things. So everyone talks to me about, oh, smashed avocado on toast. It <laughs> tastes, tastes like shit. I don't like it. It's really overrated. It's greasy. I know it's going to be good for you, but it's not for me. So, Mike, give me three things that you think are overrated. And don't say me as sports editor. No, no. So I'm not allowed to say people. It's got to be food, is it? It can be whatever you want, mate. Well, caviar. Caviar's desperately overrated. Yep. Um, I think also desperately overrated is um, pay-per-view. I don't particularly like that. I think that's what, very... Are, what, are we talking just general sport or football particularly? Football particularly. General, they pick the worst games and then charge you for them. I can't believe it. I, it's extraordinary. How, that most overrated thing, Burnley versus West Bromwich Albion. You've got to pay for it. I, I, they should pay you to watch it. <laughs> um, and... 
Also, another overrated thing, cycle lanes. Cycle lanes are overrated. Right. Uh, okay. I don't like cycle lanes. Um, I, I don't mind cycling, but cycle lanes now is because it's a bit. I mean, do you ever see any cyclists on these cycle lanes? I mean, what's going on? These are hopelessly overrated things that are becoming a bane to society um, and and, cho- and basically chopping up the roads, hog- hogging the roads for no particular reason. That's super. That's my, that's I, my feel like, I feel like you could probably do thirty overrated things as opposed. You want to three. more? I could do a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> of all those things you mentioned, what would you say is the most overrated, though? What would you pick out of those three? Honestly, I would pick caviar. Have you ever tasted caviar? Absolutely. I have, I mean, pr- yeah. Pr- you have? Yeah? Of course, yeah. Yeah, and the price of caviar. I mean, it's, 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 just, it's just salt. I mean, it's literally muck. I mean, I've never tasted <laughs> and people And people pay like £58,000 for a half a kilogram of it or whatever they have. It's the, it's the emperor's new clothes, isn't it? Um, oh, I, I mean, it is literally eggs. Um, Fishy, fishy, salty eggs. I agree yeah. with you. Definitely overrated. Hutchie, can you can you live up to Mike's list of three things there that are overrated? Um, I can try. I don't know if I will. Uh, my first is the beach. You don't um, like you don't like the beach. I love the sea, right. but, the, but the beach uh, it's not for me. I don't want the beach. I don't want sand in between my toes or in my other crevices. Um, and I don't, I don't want to have a nice little swim in the sea and then get out and have to walk up the beach to then just get covered in wet sand. It's, it's not for me. It's not a good place to eat picnics. It's, no, not for me. No beaches, please. Um, another one would be Top Gear. <laughs> top not, Gear? What's not, wrong with Top Gear? Not, not the current. We're going to not cut, talk about the current one who, or whoever's ah. on it. Whoever's on it now. Yeah. The, uh, the what we all know as Top Gear, I, I think it's overrated. I think it's, uh, I think it, it's repetitive, um, and I don't, I don't like it. Uh, number three, I was going to say cycle lanes, particularly in Ipswich at the moment. There's a lot of cycle lanes have come in that have uh, that seem completely unnecessary. They blocked off roads for unnecessary reasons as well to make them covid secure but i'm not really sure how a road being close is gonna gonna change anything to that um when women get their lips done is going to be another one that's overrated get their what's right you you cut out there get their lips done you mean what the old yeah. uh, the old trout pal yeah yeah don't like it that's awful isn't it yeah i've got nothing else to say about that i just don't like it <laughs> Right then, my three. Um, I'm going to give you two two food ones, much like caviar, which I think are Emperor's New Clothes. One is bone marrow, which is just not at all pleasant. Um, who, very... Who's rating it? Who's rating bone marrow though? Who, who uh, is every 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 kind of foodie you speak to will rave about bone marrow. It's it served with beef all over the place at, at kind of fine dining restaurants. Not for me. Uh, and also the other one is oysters. I've never understood the appeal of oysters. Um, I'd go so far as to say oyster, an oyster is probably the worst thing ever, I've ever put in my mouth. Um, it's like eat, swallowing cold mucus, which has been in the sea. Um, not, <laughs> not at all pleasant. Um, they are, they're all right cooked. You deep fry an oyster, it's nice. But as they, as they are most frequently served and people drink them down and go on about how lovely they are, Mersey oyster, oyster. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can't imagine. The last thing you want to do after eating two dozen oysters is is make sweet love to anyone because uh, 
your stomach's all over the gaff, I'd imagine. Um, and, and finally, uh, my third and probably most overrated thing is cling film. Cling film ah. is cling film is shit. All right, you, you, you can't. You, you can't do anything with it. As soon as you rip it off, it just it co- it covers itself over your hands. You then have to try and pick it off. It rolls back on itself. It's just it's just bollocks. Um, so anyone who's who's rating cling film, I'm not sure it's particularly highly rated, but um, for me, wh- however highly rated it is, it's overrated. So there you go. I enjoyed that, Mike. I liked having you involved in Mike's big question because I know you'll you'll shoot from the hip and you'll say it how it is. Now then, boys, let, let's let's move on. I want to talk. One of these things that we do on the show, Mike, is is what we what we call that we like to offer a peek behind the curtain. Um, and with you in place, it seems a perfect time to talk to you about something which you can offer a fairly unique insight on. Um, a young man called Kieran Dyer will start as Ipswich Town's under twenty three boss tomorrow. They'll have um, Terry Butcher and Jason Dazell helping him in the coaching setup. What a team that is! Uh, we talked about it before. Um, uh, all on Monday, we said that we all said that. I think Kieran, if anyone could actually sit down and speak to talk to Kieran about stuff, um, they would see very quickly he's a very deep thinker, um, particularly about football, and he's got some really good ideas and obviously a lot of passion for the game. But Mike, you are you're, you're very close to Kieran, um, and I, I just want you to to talk a little bit about Kieran uh, and give people a little insight into into what you think will make him a good football manager. Well, obviously, he's got this opportunity to uh, Ipswich down twenty threes, which is fantastic for him. Um, I mean, he's, uh, you know, it's it's been a checkered lifestyle, hasn't it, up to now? It's been a checkered football career, that's for sure. Um, uh, you know, everyone has an mm. opinion, and I've seen him sort of, um, you know, like many of the sports journalists who worked with us, I sort of saw him as a sort of 16, 17 year old, and have followed his career since. Um, yes, it's been very checkered, it's been very up and down, um, perhaps been a little bit immature at times. He'll be the first to say that. But um, things have changed for Kieran Dyer quite a lot in the last half dozen years, um, I think. And, um, uh, you know, he's he brought out his autobiography, which um, which talked quite in detail a lot of, a lot of stuff, um, almost like releasing his demons yeah. really a lot in it. And I, I, and, and I think that helped bring himself out. He's quite a, quite a, um, he's quite a shy guy. You know, people, people yeah. think footballers are all brash and this, that and the other. It, a lot of it is just on the outside. He's quite a shy guy, very loyal. Uh, good family, you know, family guy. Like, yeah, you know, he's, he's just he's, he's just a lot different to how people have him perceive him. Um, but that's personally. Yeah. So professionally, football wise, he he knows a, he he really does know his stuff. I mean, he, he's got his UA for A and B badges, and he's going for his pro license. Um, so he's done some some serious coaching already. Um, already. I mean, you don't get UA for A and B; they don't just flick them at you. There's a lot of study that needs to be done, um, and he's, mm. he, he's knuckled down to do that. He loves football. He loves Ipswich Town. Um, I think, I think this this would be a really so this is a really good appointment for Ipswich Town because he's now got. I mean, he's forty one now, um, yeah. and I just think the last three or four, five, six, seven years he's really matured um, as a person. Um, he's always been good on football. I mean, you listen to him on Sky. He goes on Sky now. He knows his football stuff. He doesn't just come on there and sort of shock jock everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, talks about tactics and systems. Um, and of course, he has all the background of, of being a player, a young player at a very heady time, mm. um, part of the golden generation, the baby Bentleys and all that stuff. It was, you know, a lot of it wasn't very pleasant at times, and he was getting more headlines on the front as he was the back. Mm. Uh, but it was a very, it's a time that's really he can look back on now and have he's learned so much from, which I think will hold him in such good stead going forward. Mm. Um, there's lots, of, you know, I, I think this is a good appointment for Ipswich Town. 
Um, I'm thinking we need help alongside him. I mean, he's yeah. got Terry Butch and Dazell, but I think going forward, he needs to find himself somebody he can really lean on. Um, I'm not, not disrespecting Terry or Jason. I don't. I think their roles are are going to be a lot of coaching. But I'm talking about going forward, even more forward in Kieran's career. He's going mm. to have to find somebody to really lean on. Um, but yeah, he's a good talker and he's a good thinker. Um, he's not. I, I can't imagine he's a ranter and a raver. I don't think he is. Um, but he's certainly technically. I mean, he's played with some very good players. Coach. I mean, he's played under Bobby Robson, yeah. Kevin Keegan, Glenn Hoddle, Rude Hullet, and of course George Burley. George Burley had a lot of time for him. Mm. He's played under a lot of good coaches as well, and you pick up stuff, don't you? So, mm. and I think thirty-three England caps. I think he's still quite highly regarded by young players who look up to him. Mm. Um, so, what sort of manager do you think he'll be? You say you don't think he's. I mean, obviously, when you speak to him, as you say, he's, he's quite shy. He's quite quiet. Can yeah. you see him? Be, can you see him being a sort of disciplinarian, or will that be part of his management stuff that you'll need, or is he going to be more of a kind of arm around the shoulder sort of manager? I think. Bearing in mind how his football career began as a young player, yeah. um, and it was, at times, and he only got to read his book. At times, mm-hmm. it was a bit brutal. Yeah, um, um, he would be. I would be. I would suspect would be more an arm around the player. But he he knows also you can't spend your whole managerial career with your arm around people all the time. You're going to have to have a different edge to you, and he knows mm-hmm. he's going to have to have that. I think that'll be a more a last resort than a than a first one. And uh, you know, and he's as I said, he's played. He's played. You just got to look at some of the managers he's played under. I mean, you think Bob, Bobby's obviously a huge influence on him. You know, Bobby Ross yeah. is a huge influence on him. Uh, Bobby Ross didn't spend all his time in his face shouting and screaming at him, um, mm. and, and, and nor did George Burley. So they would have been the type of it. Of course, with Brian Kluger as well. Brian Kluger has been a manager for him, but certainly been a coach at Ipswich and coached Kieran a lot in his younger days. Huge influence on Kieran's career. Again, Brian is, a, is an excellent man manager, and, and so I think Kieran would have picked up a lot of man management skills. Mm. Can't can't see him ranting and raving, throwing cups around. No, I can't. Mm. Okay, well, Mike is writing something about that as we speak. That's going to be in print and online tomorrow. So look out for that. As I say, Mike can offer an insight into Kieran Dyer that that very few people can. Knows him extremely well indeed. Hutchie, we should also mention before we get on to crew. Um, we're sitting here. It's just gone twenty past two on Wednesday at seven pm tonight. Um, so if you listen to it uh, on Wednesday, that'll be seven pm tonight. If you listen to it Thursday, Friday, it'll already be up. The Wembley 2000 documentary goes live tonight, 7 o'clock, on our YouTube channel, Kings of Anglia YouTube. Um, very, very excited about this. Um, what, do you reckon, what do you reckon people are going to make of it, Hutchie? Well, I hope they like it. And the, the first thing I hope is that I've correctly uploaded it. I've never, never published a YouTube premiere before, but I believe, I believe I have published it correctly. So that is the... That's the first wish. I, I, I hope people like it. I hope it takes them back to a better time, a happier time to be a football fan, and just brings back some nice, nice memories of a of a really special, special season, special three games at the end. There, that's uh, yeah. that, that's my one wish. Mike, uh, another peek behind the curtain time. Um, you, another thing you barely mentioned, along with your Coach of the Year award, <laughs> is that you were once the, the editor of the Greenan. Um, yes, I was. Yes. And you were you were editor of the Green and at this time, so you actually covered this golden period in town's history, which seems a lifetime ago. I know it's twenty years ago, but compared to where they are now, might as well be a, you know a different um, universe. But j- just give an insight for the listeners as to what it was like covering town at that time, what the players were like. I remember you always telling me about Marcus Stewart coming into the office to write quite to to write his own column, and obviously there was no such thing as as. Press officers, really, you could ring, you could ring the manager up, and this, this, that, and the other. What, what was it like back then? 
Well, I mean, you, you, well, you've, you've just given away some of the things, absolutely. Before I go any further, by the way, I've seen Andy's, um, I've seen not all of it, but a snippet of Andy's uh, video that's going live tonight. He's absolutely superb. Um, yeah. You know, I haven't seen the whole thing, but, uh, you know, Andy's, what, what he's done there and, and the team to put that together. The Ipswich fans, you're going to absolutely love it. I'll tell you now, you're going to absolutely love it. But anyway, yeah, going back to that season, those times, yeah, they were, they were exceptional. They do seem a lifetime ago now. It's, it's extraordinary. But, yeah, um, it, it, it was just... It was, it was absurd, really. I mean, we, we, we were winning. We beat Man City at Man City three two. We won at Liverpool, you know. We won at Leeds. We we, we just that's that te- the year we finished. The well, going up was of course the year we went up was one thing, and, the, and all the Wembley excitement, which will be featured in Andy's video, and yeah. the season after um, was it was even more extraordinary. They finished fifth. It, you just can't. You can't really how do you scream? Marcus Stewart did used to come into the <laughs> the green and off. We set up an email address for him, um, yeah. Marcus Stewart at greenand.co.uk, and uh, people <laughs> were sending letters, um, sending emails to him. He's just sitting reading and writing. Mean, he's brilliant, and um, he wasn't alone. Kieran Dyer was doing columns then. Mark, uh, Mark Venus, Alex Matthew, um, were all doing columns. Richard Wright wanted to do his own get back at Kieran column one year um, <laughs> because. Kieran had spent most of one season slagging poor Richard off with different things and taking a pop at him. So Richard phoned me and said, can I do a column this week? That was the last week of the season. Uh-huh. Um, I, said, I said, of course you can, mate. Yeah. So, but yeah, and there was, yeah, look, look it was a different time. And, and you know, just like, I just like suppose when I was then in 2000, I had older guys there telling me how great it was in the 60s and 70s. You know, everything yeah. moves on. So it's not, yeah. It's not a case where everything was better back then. It was just different. And, you know, of course the football was... The only thing that was better probably was the football, to be fair. They were playing better sides. And obviously, you know, they had a better... But really, it's extraordinary. I mean, I spoke to Matt Holland recently. We're doing some another feature for um, coming up shortly. Um, and he was saying, look, you know, you've got to remember what Ipswich Town achieved back in those days. It wasn't huge money that achieved it. It was just bringing players through, grit and determination, getting things in the right order... Um, you know, having good chairman, good manager, got everything, everything in place. Mm. I mean, the Ipswich team that, that finished fifth, they weren't massive. There was there was no ten million pound players in that side. I mean, I think I don't know, I can't remember who the most expensive was. I don't know. Andy might know more than me. Um, I mean, Marcus Stewart cost one and a half million, I think, or something, but two million. But there, there weren't a huge. So so you don't have to sort of go mad. And this team that we've got today. Just have got to get out of League One. Get out of League One and anything can happen. But while they're stuck here, that's the problem. The problem is here now. But back then, yeah, it was fantastic, wasn't it? I mean, how, how could it possibly not be? Um, George Burley was so accessible. I remember him phoning me up one Sunday morning complaining and not very happy about someone's in the green. And, but it was always great to chat to apart from that. Um, but he'd phone you at home and have a chat with you. But he was always, everything was, for, I was open. They trusted, mm. you know, everything was trustworthy. Things have become so untrustworthy. Uh, everyone's worried. And yet the players themselves are actually okay. Yeah. People today, you know, players today are actually okay to talk to. Just give them a bit of space. Trust your local journalists. Blah, blah, blah. It's not that difficult. That's the uh, frustration, isn't it? That the, the access is so tightly controlled now. Uh, and, and yet you guys who, who speak to the players, if the players were just allowed to show a little bit more of their personalities and, and speak a bit more openly, it would be great because they're all... They're all good guys. They're all, you know, solid characters. That's 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 the shame of things now. Mm. Um, but anyway, uh, that is seven o'clock tonight. Then don't miss that on our YouTube channel. Seven o'clock Wednesday will already be out if you're listening to this on Thursday. Um, and, and Mike alluded to it there as well. You're doing a series, Season in the Sun, I believe it's called, isn't it, Mike? A season um, in the Sun. Yeah, the, the the actual year that Town finished fifth. Talking to players, I've already spoken to Scoey and 
Matty Holland and George and Marcus Stewart. I spoke to Marcus Stewart that day and a few other people. So I spoke to, I spoke to Stephen Foster from BBC Radio Summer because he followed them home and away and all sorts of bits and bobs. So we'll, put, we'll chuck a few other uh, celebrity in quote fans in there as well. Yeah. One of those will go out on Friday is the plan at the moment in print and online. So look out for that. Now then, boys, um, from the old times, the good old days, the halcyon days in many ways, back jarringly to the present where town are at the moment, third in League One. And they host crew at the weekend. Now, Hutchie, you already said, again, this is a game that you'd expect it's which town to win. But what do you think about what Lambert might do with the with, with the side? Are you sticking with, with um, McGuinness and, and Wolfenden at the back, for example? I don't think there's a need to drop them. Um, again, this is separate to the issue of whether Wilson should have dropped out of the side in the first place. Um, mm. But I, I think I, I don't think you can just put Wolfenden and McGuinness in for one game and then break up that partnership straight away when they've kept a clean sheet. So, no, I'm sure they'll start again. Um, I think there's every chance that the side could potentially be potentially be unchanged. Um, mm. Possibly Emir Hughes maybe coming into midfield. I don't know if Lancaster's going to be Good to go three times in a week. Again, maybe even Stephen Ward at left back might not quite manage three games in a week with Sunderland on the horizon on the Tuesday night. But um, yeah, I think there's I think there's every chance they'll probably go with the same again. Like we said in the lead up to this game, I think I'd probably still like to see Keenan Bennett start a game now. Um, yeah. The obvious the obvious candidate for that would be would be Freddie Sears to dip out for him. But aside from that, I'm not. I wouldn't expect too many, too many changes from Paul Lambert now for this one. Can I um, tempt you into making a prediction? Is there any point in these? Because Ross is the only one that can get these right. I think um, people. I think people like predictions. I do think they'll win. I think it's going to be a very similar game to to last night's, in terms of um, maybe having to work a bit harder for it than than anybody would like. But I'll um, I'll go with the boring two 0 like I did for this game. Fair enough. Sound. Mike, is there much you're changing ahead of Saturday, do you think? And what do you think the, the outcome might be? I think there's a lot I think there's a lot of games thick and fast at the moment. I think if yeah. you do have I think if you do have changes, I think fans mustn't look too much into he's been well, obviously apart from uh, James Wilson was obviously dropped. But I mean if things are uh, uh, flipped about a little bit, um as, as Andy rightly alluded to, I mean Stephen Ward, you know, Sunderland as well coming up. There's a there's a lot of games going on here. Um mm. You know, there's just it's, it's, it's relentless. I mean, I think if Town's going just on Saturday, they didn't have Sunderland coming up on Tuesday. Will I see change? I thought Emmy Hughes did well when he came on, but it's, it's often quite nice to come on for 10, 15 minutes and sort of have a little bit of a cameo. But I thought he did quite well when he came on. Jack Langster, I think Jack's done brilliant. You know, he's you know he's a young lad. He's, he's you know maybe will he take on another game on Saturday? Maybe that might be a change. But I won't go. I won't go mad. Um, I mean, Freddie Sears. Strange, really. He could have had a couple of goals last night, as, as Andy Mee was saying, our social distance 30 foot away. Um, you, you know, all the chances felt to Freddie uh, for, 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 for a period there. Um, and, the, you know, they were blocked and uh, a couple were blocked, etc. But I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't see too many changes, maybe one or two, but one maybe. But I certainly wouldn't break up the defence, that's for sure. Hmm. And it's a game that, that honestly and, and plainly speaking, Town should win, isn't it? Well, they're going in on the back of winning of winning a match in the last four minutes. They should been they should have been back in the dressing room. I'll use the old football, the new footballing quote, buzzing. They will mm. be buzzing in the training room, and rightly so. Um, so they should be on a hard. Oh, gosh, if I was if she's town player, I'd be. De- I can't wait for crew to come on Saturday afternoon. Bring it mm. on. You've just mm-hmm. beaten Julian. Like tough physical game, but you've, you've you've done it. Doesn't matter how you got there. You got there. 
oh, bring it on, bring the next team on. I mean, what, what, got nothing to, nothing to fear. I mean, you know, they should, they should be confident, and they might even get an early goal, which would be nice for them. I think that'd set them down even more. And if mm. they did get an early goal, I could see them going on scoring two or three. But mm. I'll go for a two 0 as well. I think. Superb. Hutchie, I mean, being honest about things, the, uh, Gillingham and Crewe are teams that Town should be beating without much difficulty, especially at home. It's fair to say, though, isn't it, that Sunderland is, is the litmus test on Tuesday. That is the the big game, if you like, in in this run. I know, obviously, they played Doncaster and struggled there, but they sh- they have to be able to compete with teams like Sunderland and yeah. if they've got any chance of going up this season. Yeah, like if you're talking about about promotion contenders, yeah, Doncaster and, and Lincoln are obviously, are obviously top of the table. They've played them and lost to both of those. But if you're looking, just the ones that jump out of the off the fixture list are, are Portsmouth, Sunderland, Peterborough, aren't they? And they're and they're the ones where, where Ipswich fell woefully woefully flat really last season. Um, obviously, some early draws with Peterborough and Sunderland, but they were battered at home by Peterborough. Mm. Didn't lay a glove on Sunderland at the Stadium of Light, and then were pretty. I think it was only what one nil, but they were pretty well beaten at Portsmouth as well. They've got to compete more in those games and do more than compete in them as well. They need to win them. Um, so yes, crew is an obstacle. Um, I don't think it will be an easy game, but they really should be winning it. And then it's on to Sunderland, which is, which is the first kind of big marker in the season where we can judge just how much they've improved from, uh, from last season, really, because the promising start, obviously the two, the two, uh, the two-game bump in the road in there, but it was, it was against sides in the lower reaches of the league. And while they did play well and they did look good, good play, good football, scored goals, it was against sides they really should be beating. So, mm. yeah, get, get this game won. Another three points is, is what you will expect, and then uh, and see where you're at with see where you're at with Sunderland. Like you say, that's the litmus test. We shall see. I just want to mention before we go, all aboard the crane train, Ross Crane. Scored his first goal for the under-23s on Monday. Signing, summer signing from Berry Town, only 17. Ben Chenery, Berry Town manager, very high on him when I spoke to him in the summer. Compared him very favourably to Jack Lancaster. And he's already scoring goals for the under-23. Get him in the side, that's what I say. Give him a chance. Let's see what happens. Boys, is there anything else? Mark Heath, I need to to pull you up here. Have you you forgotten about about a young Irishman? He's injured. I know, but have you just moved on from him? Have you just kind of has your eye just wandered <laughs> onto the next the next footballer that none of us have ever watched play? <laughs> <laughs> Poor old Aaron. Listen, when when Drynan's back, when he when his his thigh is back up and ready, I'll be all over um, the Drynan train again because um, it's obviously very much pulling out of the station now. He's actually in the team, and we're actually talking about him being a miss, which is amazing. Uh, he'll come back and score goals by the hatful, I'm sure. But I, I also want to push because I like to I like to shout about the next big thing before anyone has really thought about them. Uh, and Ross Crane is definitely the next big thing. The Crane train, jump aboard now, I'm telling you. Um, boys, is there anything else you want to mention before we take our leave? Well, you're not, you're not, you're not getting a bit fickle on me, are you, Heath? I mean, you know, are you like this with, you know, when you, you, you tell me the other week, I'm the best sports journalist in the department. I mean, you don't go telling them the same thing when I'm not around, do you? I mean, because I'm starting to worry that you do. Uh, well, I think I see the best sports journalism in, in the department on that day. Uh, it was oh, my actual. Oh, yeah. right. Yeah. I'm just wondering, you sort of jump from place to place. That's Ross Crane. But I mean, it's, I've just wondered how it's, you know, well, that's fair enough. No, I, I. What What have you done for me lately? That's my big question. You've well, got to keep proving exactly, yourself. Exactly. I'm very ruthless sometimes. You really are, actually. <laughs> yeah. Hachi, have you got anything you want to say before we head off? 
I have actually. Have you um have you seen that the oh. Elf tro- the Elf Trophy's got a new sponsor? No. No. It's a it's a takeaway. Oh no. Which one? Which one? Which, which takeaway? Like American take American takeaway company has laid claim to the Elf Trophy for the next three years. Is it uh, Papa John's? It is the Papa John's Trophy. Oh, amazing! <laughs> Papa John's Trophy. Yep. <laughs> Things get more and more ridiculous, don't they? <laughs> what, do you, what do you think about that? Is the final at Wembley? They still haven't played last year's final yet, Mike. So, um, so I believe that's Salford and Portsmouth. So don't get don't get too excited about next year's. But um, yeah, the Papa John's Trophy it is now. Yeah, but you just think. Well, what we'll get? What you get for um, if we if we if, yeah, just think what you get if you did get the final. All the food and stuff you get, Papa John's stuff. What's the win bonus? You get like a thousand pizzas. That'd be amazing. I'd, I'd play harder for yeah. that. I reckon. I'll tell you what. There's something in this. <laughs> I quite, I quite like that. The Papa John's trophy. Yeah, I like that. It's better, it's better than leasing.com, isn't it? Yeah, much better. Or Carabao. Carabao. Yeah. Or the auto windscreen shield. The LD Johnson's paints. Johnson's <laughs> paints is my favourite. Yeah. There used, no, to be a speed, there used to be a speedway competition uh, test match sponsored by Durex. Do you remember them, Andy? What? Was it Durex or was it Dulux? Durex. No, I know what it was. Thank you very much. It wasn't Dulux. <laughs> yeah, back in the 1980s, there were speedway competitions. Even be Australia, the Durex Test Series. I'll never forget it. It was extraordinary. Wow. That wow. is so speedway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Gents, it's been an absolute pleasure um, speaking to you this afternoon, particularly Mike, who I think has brought an extra level of, of banter to the podcast today. Great to have you with us. Hopefully we'll have the big porker back with us at times throughout the season um, as the boys are rotated on and off due to the uh, the thick and fast nature of the games. Um, all that leads me to say is to follow us across social media. Obviously, YouTube is the big one to pay attention to this week. Kings of Anglia on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Um, have a great rest of the week. Town go again at Crew. They've stopped the bleeding Will they only have just applied the tourniquet to the wound, though, or have they actually put stitches in it? We'll find out a bit more on Saturday against Crew, and then obviously the big one away at Sunderland on Tuesday. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. From true crime to football, Brexit to Oakville. more great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash
at audiobooms.com slash channel slash archive.